A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello, welcome to the New European Podcast. My name's Richard Porritt and I'm joined by Steve Anglesey. Hello, Snowflakes. How are you, Steve? I'm well. I'm, 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 I'm pumped. I'm psyched after our fantastic uh, live podcast at Podcast Live Politics last week. It was a great deal of fun, wasn't it? Um, we it was had, very good. If you haven't listened, it is available. It's the, the one just before this, I guess, on it your will. podcatcher of choice. We had Bonnie Greer. We did. We had James Ball. We had me. We had me. And, uh, and despite... You and me being there, it was actually there was actually intelligent discussion, much of which was carried out by Bonnie Greer and James Bond. Not by us, yeah, yeah. Not it was by a lot us. Fun. It was a lot of fun. If you did come, thanks so much. You, it, you know, we saw sort of, we do the pod. It's um, we, we're not natural broadcasters, actually, are we, Steve? It's, uh, it sounds obvious. incredible to admit. And uh, we sort of sling it out there and hope for the best. And people listen to it. And not only that, they come along and see us as well, and they actually tell us they enjoy it. And it it, it really does um, make it all worthwhile. So thanks very much. Thanks especially to our legions of uh, fans who joined us for a, a bevy afterwards as well. Yes, that was good. That was very good. Uh, I don't know if you saw that there were some uh, Brexity types who turned up to the same pub and left, uh, they left what? fairly what? hurriedly. I will, I will, I will explain uh, that there were Brexity types were there because while we were on, uh, we were on in a uh, a room which was uh, just a, just about the right size. In There's a room about that four hundred people there, I think. Yeah, a little bit less than that, but in a room that was large and ostentatious, much larger. Uh, people had gathered to see uh, Brendan O'Neill, the tiresome controversialist from Spites Online, um, being interviewed or interviewing uh, Rod Little, rather. Yes, and we we actually we spoke to Rod Little in the green room, which, as you can imagine, it was there was a jacuzzi. We were all drinking yeah. champagne, and and Rod has actually he did actually didn't he agree to come on the podcast? So maybe we will get him on and have a lively discussion, Steve. What do you think? A lively debate. Yes, he didn't like the fact that it was a green room. He thought that was a bit snowflakey and a bit Greta Thunbergy. <laughs> um, How but, dare you? Uh, <laughs> Uh, but yes, uh, he showed us some weird um, publications that he brought, didn't he? Yes, Not like that, that listener. <laughs> but they were he he Brexit Brexit readers' wives of the week. <laughs> he had he had brought along some sort of hardcore uh, left wing <laughs> publications. Not hardcore publications. Some some extreme. Um, uh, it's like Trotsky, Trotskyist worker and stuff like that. They were called, weren't they? Very all very odd. So that's what Rod Little reads. Um, yes, in his spare time. Apparently so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, when he's not uh, bashing snowflakes. What was your favourite bit of the of the day, Steve? Uh, beer, obviously. Um, but I enjoyed it all. I mean, Bonnie Greer was was obviously fresh off her 
magnificent appearance on Question Time and talked a lot about that. James Ball, it's always great to talk to and listen to and indeed to read in the in the New European. He had some really interesting things to say. He, he thinks that Dominic Cummings is about to leave, doesn't he? Which is uh, yes. Well, those are those are well. I, th- I mean, I, I I was so led to to believe the same thing it was you know October the 31st and then it's uh, changing the guard I think it'll go deeper than Dominic Cummings actually but there you go yes well that will be interesting to see um, whether he is the only thing that is leaving on October the 31st uh, we will we will wait and see well, uh, but I thought it was all really good um, I, di- I thought Bonnie began didn't she by talking about how dangerous Dominic Cummings was and that was uh, that was, I think, that was just either just before or just after I once again reiterated my theory that he's the sort of become the wily coyote. <laughs> it was, it was of, a funny moment actually because y- you were being Steve, yes, and Bonnie was being Bonnie, yes, which she does impeccably well. Oh man, she is she so was good, fantastic. Um, and there is quite a chasm between the two because Bonnie's very serious about this. And frankly, you're not, Steve. No, I am not. And uh, and I've got to say, it's it's not been a great week for old Dom, has it? Uh, obviously, he was uh, was the the number ten source who was quoted in this lengthy. Yes, and uh, I love the way that pretty much everyone just ignored um, the usual protocol and said a source. Which, let's face it, is Dominic Cummings. Yes, that's right, yeah. Uh, was it a WhatsApp message? Was it an, an email? We don't know. It was, it was about 750 words of invective, wasn't it, basically? That's what he and, does. Uh, and, and in it, uh, he once again outlined these brilliantly acme, wily coyote solutions to how this was all going to work out. He said, uh, we're going to do deals with... Um, any EU country which tries to block the extension helps us to block an extension to Article 50. Anyone who supports an extension will go to the bottom of the queue. Well, look, you should know by now that the EU operates as a trading block. It's impossible to do any deals with members of the EU which disadvantage other members of the trading block. So that is not true. He said, we won't pass the EU budget. Well, that doesn't matter. If you don't pass the EU budget... It defaults to the previous budget. It's inconvenient, but it's it's hardly going to make the institutions of the EU break down. There were hints that Nigel Farage could be appointed an, an EU commissioner. Well, he couldn't be. New EU commissioners need to be approved by the EU Parliament, which, of course, doesn't have any power at all, apart from it does have quite a, a significant uh, amount of power. So that's not true. Not true. And then later on in the week, we get this idea that that uh, Boris Johnson could just ignore the Queen uh, if she tries to dismiss him uh, under something called the Lascelles Code, which I think <laughs> is, a, is Dan Brown, isn't it? Um, and then that, that turned out not to be true either. That code was the use of that code was ended by the Fixed Term Parliaments Act. It was actually brought in to um, to get rid of a PM who refuses to go, um, not allow uh, a PM who just wants to stay to to sort of stay. Uh, and then we had also had this idea, this persistent idea, uh, which Andrea Ledson backed up later on in the week. That led some for leader. That we will just write two letters to the EU, yeah, one of which says we would love an extension, we want an extension, and the other one says we don't, I don't really believe any of that. And the, the important thing to realise about that is that the EU will just go, you know, mm-hmm. it, it, 
Yes, it would be the meme of Alan Partridge shrugging, which we have all seen. So, so what? What does that mean for me? The, the second letter uh, will have no legal effect whatsoever, and the EU will just ignore it and, and give us an extension. So, um, I would say it, it has not been a good week for uh, Dominic Cummings and his outrageous, his outlandish schemes. Well, it's not been a good week for anyone. Sterling Tank. Well, I've had quite a nice week. Uh, Ex spy chief. I went John... to see. Punk legend Jordan talking the other night. She was very entertaining. Yes, you did. I did. <laughs> I can confirm you did. Sterling has tanked this week, though, Steve. Uh, well, Raheem Sterling. Wobbled, wobbled, perhaps. He was very bad against Wolves, yeah. John Sawyers, he was the, um, was he the head of MI5? I think, I think he was, so. wasn't he? Yeah, Spy Chief. He was He was talking about the dangers of a no-deal Brexit on the Today programme. Yes. Nissan have ended their night shift. Goodness me, it's bad news because there's big money made up there on those night shifts, you know, and and, and Brexit is... uh, It's almost like all this is a very bad idea, isn't it? It does feel a little bit like that, doesn't it? Um, I haven't even introduced the show yet. No. We've jumped straight into Dominic Cummings. This is like a lengthy pre-credit sequence, like you get with Quentin Tarantino. I watched um, Reservoir Dogs last weekend with with a friend of mine. A young friend? Yeah, Yeah. and... uh, and Is Betty Blue on the? <laughs> well, I can't watch Betty Blue now because no one has any DVD players anymore. So my old favourite, how to make friends. Oh yeah. Line, which was, would you like to borrow my DVD of Betty Blue? I, I can't. It couldn't work anymore because people go, oh, I'm going to DVD player. Well, and it's not on Netflix. It's not on Netflix or Amazon, is it not? What would it be if you went if you went down to someone to a, to a young Probably lady? Or a young is it on Pornhub? House, and you said. You know, to watch Betty Blue, it would be Netflix and Gouge. Oh, <laughs> well, spoilers, isn't it? But there you go. Oh, sorry, spoiler alert. Um, so we're going to do the news. I feel like you probably already realised we're going to do some news. Yeah. Um, because, Steve, as you know, a lot of people do come here for their news. Just for their news. So you don't listen Dominic... to the news in the week. Absolutely not. So you've got your Dominic Cummings yes. there. I'm sure he'll be mentioned again. Gilet news. Gilet news. We should get some gilets. I think quite fancy having a gilet. It's a good time of year for a gilet, Nick. It's, it's warm in the sun, but it gets cold, doesn't it, if you're out after dark, Steve? Ooh. But he does look like he's about to, to go off fishing at any point, doesn't he? Maybe he is. Or maybe he is on October the on 31st. His, on his office, it'll just say, gone fishing. Gone fishing. Oh, in our, for, for British fish in <laughs> British waters. So... That, the next series of um, Mortimer and um, British fish in British waters. I mean, what was it? What's that brilliant program called? Um, Bob Mortimer and um, uh, White House uh, gone yes, fishing. Yes. They could have Cummings there as well. Well, he's it, got the clothes for it. Well, there'd be this brilliant, gentle scene, wouldn't they? Where where Bob Mortimer and and uh, Paul Whitehouse are talking about, you know, mortality and uh, how they're getting older and you know their aches and pains. And then Dominic Cummings would come along and throw a hand grenade into the river, blowing all the fish out, oh, and well. most of the bank as well, you know, and then picking them up and smashing their heads against a rock. Well, I expect that his his experience of going out in a rowing boat is, is much more like the one that Fredo experiences in the, in the Godfather, <laughs> at the end of the Godfather Part 2, to be honest with you. That's, that's his sort of rowing boat trip, I would have thought. Not, well, a, not a few seen, jokes about fishing. I've seen that. Anyway, we're talking about Reservoir Dogs. So... Me and a friend of mine flicking through what fi- what films haven't you seen? Because I've seen a lot of films, my friend hasn't. Yes. See, but he, he goes like, "Have you seen this one? Don't want to see it." What about this one? No, I don't think I've seen that. You've never seen Reservoir Dogs? No, I've seen Pulp Fiction. Well, 
you'll love resvotoxin. Let's put it on. An hour in. I'm this is rubbish. I'm doing no, no, no. I'm doing the um, you know I'm doing the doing the dancing stuck in the middle. Oh yeah, all that. You know I'm, I, I know all the words. Really enjoying it. About an hour in, she goes, Ah, I have seen this. How can you forget the first hour of Reservoir Dogs? Well, it's not that memorable, is it? Oh, I think it's pretty memorable. There's a lot of blood. There's a lot of blood and a lot of talking about like a virgin, yes. Oh, yeah, there is. That's a great scene. That is. That's the opening scene, scene, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Let's talk about Leo Varadkar and Boris Johnson because they've been chatting. If only they were in Reservoir Dogs. Mr. Blonde (laughs) and Mr. Green. (laughs) Mr. Blonde, exactly. (laughs) What would you be, Steve? You'd be Mr. I'll pick for you and you could pick me. You would be Mr. I think Turquoise. Turquoise? Why? Is that just the colour of my face through your ears? Just gent. You, you, you're meaningful, um, and you are. You you are. You know. You you you're a special sort of shade of person, Steve. That's nice. Mm, I think so. Yeah. Very nice. Yeah. Uh, what would you be? What do you think? What would you like to be? Probably like gammon. Mr. Pastel. Mr. Pastel, Mr. Laura Ashley, Mr. Yeah, 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 yeah. We've got a very fetching salmon tie on, Mr. Salmon. Have, you could be today. I've got a, I've got it, a salmon tie, on, and I've also got a little salmon pinstripe. Pink it's stripe, it's accentuating the salmon notes in your your uh, your pinstripe, isn't it? Yeah, which is very nice. But of course, no one heard that. <laughs> Listener, he pressed the mute button, and then. And then he just coughed into the air very loudly. Pressed the cough button. And he then, pressed the cough button. And then coughed with, without it on. Basically. Yeah, so no one heard that. Amazing. Yeah. There you go, a true professional. Uh, Quite incredible. So Leo Varadka, and we're going to do a little quiz about Leo Varadka in a minute. Yes, um, we are. Leo Varadka, who I Is this like. what I've got to read out on this sheet of paper that you've well, given no, me? I've decided, that, I've decided that everyone needs a little Brexit update because I think a lot of the facts are getting lost, so you're going to, you're going to ask me some... I thought this was a... A personal thing that we were going to do for your personal development review afterwards, because the first two things that you've written a personal development review afterwards. The first two things that you've written down is what is the problem, (laughs) and is there time to sort this out? (laughs) Um, Well, I'll tell you what. When you come to ask me those questions, which I've prepared, okay, carefully answers. So, have you actually thought about what you're going to say on this podcast? (laughs) Is this a break with tradition? I had a spare ten minutes. It's incredible. So, but I'll answer the questions as if you were asking me about my personal life as well. Good, yes. Double answers. How about that? Lovely. Leo Varadkar. Um, he's 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 given our Boris, our Boris Johnson. He's given him a bit of an ultimatum, hasn't he? He has given him an ultimatum, um, which is uh, just stop messing about, basically, isn't stop it? Stop dicking about, Boris. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I like this. Um, so they met, didn't they, uh, in in the northwest? And and number they did. ten. Number 10 basically said, well, nothing will get done. This is a direct quote from a number 10 spokesman. There is just a view that if they're in a room together, for two hours perhaps, we might be able to see a way through. Mm. It's kind of one of those things, uh, you know, when, when couples are breaking up and they go for... There's a brilliant go to relate. Series, yeah, there's a brilliant series on, um, I think it's on BBC, called State of the Union. you seen that? Rosemary Pie, Rosamund Pike... Oh, is this the thing with with Chris O'Dowd? Yeah, and it's, it's like 12 minute episodes and once you've watched the first one, you have to watch them all. Yes. I, I really, really good. It reminded me of that, basically. They're sat in a pub before they go to their relationship counselling and it's just like, let's just hope 
that's all we've got now, Steve. Hope. That's all. I've not seen this series. Is it, but you, you're saying it's good, is it? Oh, it's very good. Yeah, yeah. Go do you watch. like? Do you like the actor Chris O'Dowd? Uh, yes. That's good. I did have to think about that. You did have to think about it longer I than I thought. I don't dislike him, so that's a good start, I think. Uh, it's good. He, I, th- I'd, I'd like him quite a bit, and I liked it when he got married to Dawn Porter and she changed her name. Do you know what she changed her name to? I didn't even know he was married to Dawn. Porter. He's married to Dawn TV's Dawn Porter, who has changed her name to Dawn O'Dell Porter. Don't, no, Dawn O Porter. <laughs> Which is really good, isn't I it? I like Dawn Porter. Yes, me too. I yes. think she's. I think she's funny, and she's a bit. Um, she's like. A, she's a sassy gal. She is a sassy gal. Yeah. Sassy gal eighty eight. Yes. <laughs> yes. Dawn sassy gal. Um, so the, the thinking seems to be for number ten, Steve, that the EU is, um, is is sort of paying lip service to the fact that a deal might be done, and they're going to force Boris's hand to, to get that deal there. What do you think? Well, I think that is. Absolutely the case. Uh, I think the EU have uh, offered a concession, haven't they, on the um, the on the Irish uh, question, the Irish uh, border question, or rather, sorry, the question of um, uh, these new arrangements being approved by the um, the Irish Northern Irish Parliament, uh, which is something that was suggested by. Our side last week, although they, they sort of want a, a, you know, a double vote on it, don't they? They want double approval of this idea that you could opt out of these arrangements after four years. Yeah, that's right. Um, uh, the DUP aren't going to stand for that. Uh, the, um, well, I'll, I'll, I'll come to that in a second. Well, I'll come to it now. Well, they aren't, going to, they aren't going to stand for it, are, are they? Just, 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 as, just as the... You know, just as Leo Varadkar wasn't going to stand for, for, and the EU weren't going to stand for what was proposed last week. Well, Bar- Barney has rejected uh, Johnson's proposal, whereby yes. Northern Ireland, um, where the where the DUP could could effectively wield a veto. Yes, in, exactly. In it, was that not just Boris and the DUP putting a plot together? That's what it felt like to me. Because if they got the veto, then Boris could agree it looked like the good guy, and the DUP really don't care if they're the bad guy or not. No, of course. Would no. just veto it, and Boris. You know, and well, Cummings to get what he wanted. Yes, and once again, it was a it was a, a an easy to see through yeah, plot, exactly, which was easily exactly. seen through. I, I I really don't see the point of proposing these things, which we uh, which we know are going to fail, and and increasingly, you know, and I was listening to Philip Hammond on the Today program on either Wednesday or Thursday, I think it was. I, I listened and, to that, and and do you know what, I, I'm no great fan of Philip Hammond, but his voice was quite. So soothing and calming and reassuring. Well, it was like times when it, we thought it was chaos, but but really compared to now, it's quite something to make you feel nostalgic for the last exactly, conservative government, exactly. isn't it? Um, but when Philip Hammond said that the, the you know the, the secret of negotiation is that if you've got two sides that are you know implacably opposed, you have to meet somewhere in the middle, and either side is not going to get everything they want, and neither of these two sides. Uh, uh, are, are willing to, to to move. The EU have moved a, a little bit, but they have moved into an area which I think they I think they are well aware that the, the the DUP won't allow Boris Johnson to move into. Now, whether Boris Johnson has got the courage to say, well, we are going to move into that uh, area, and he's going to outrage the DUP, and he's going to outrage the uh, the ERG or a large section of the ERG. Um, but he might take a, you know a few more Labour MPs with him, or some of the independent MPs that he's lost with him. 
Um, I just, but I just don't see that that's going to happen. You know, that they are. He is. It, he and Dominic Cummings have set themselves against compromise. And what is going to happen is that they are going to announce either on uh, either next Saturday, a Saturday week at this special setting uh, session of Parliament, or yeah. on October the thirty first themselves. They are going to announce that we're leaving the EU with no deal, and that is all going to take place. And uh, and Parliament, and I suspect the courts are going to go not so fast, matey. Yes. So um, this is another quote from a from a, a source close to Mr. Johnson. When asked, is it Mr. Johnson or Dominic Cummings? I don't believe it is actually. I think it's an MP. But um, it was um, asked about the likelihood of a deal. Okay. About five percent. So it's not. And added. And that's on the optimistic end of the spectrum. Right, OK. So the days of a million to one chance that we, exactly. were, we will leave without a deal. Yeah. Um, what Boris said, of course, Boris said that it was a million to one that we would leave without a deal. I mean, it, at some stage, we need to have some lessons in how to deal with having been right about quite a lot of this stuff. Well, I mean... And what is the right... It's difficult to be, it's difficult to be right in the current political climate, either here or indeed in America, because... Um, Truth and fact and reason have long gone out of fashion, frankly. And it doesn't matter if you're wrong. It doesn't well, matter if you do something wrong or even if you tell a lie. You just carry on lying. There is, I mean, there's something extremely unattractive about people who say, I told you so. I don't want to say I told you so, but I, I told you so, isn't there? But right from the start of this, I mean, in the first week of the New European, which came out 10 days, 9, 10 days after the, the referendum, you know, we we explained why a lot of what the leading Brexiteers were saying, most of which was the German car makers will not allow this to happen, to us to fall out without a deal, there will be a deal. We explained why that was not going to happen and why we didn't hold all the cards and, uh, and, and that kind of stuff. And, and now here we are going down to another deadline and it is not happening. You know, this has been twice now. Um, it isn't going to happen, and uh, and um, you know to hear people. I think it was I heard uh, Gavin Williamson and Dominic Raab say this this week that you know it will only be when we get into the final hours that that they will you know the implication was that they will fold because they need uh, they need us more than, than than we need them, and that is a, a really shocking state of affairs to to come to after all this time. But it's been demonstrably demonstrably prove that that is incorrect. Okay, I'm playing devil's advocate now, Steve. I, I love it when you play devil's advocate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't I... believe you put the little horns on. <laughs> it's very sexy. <laughs> well, that, if... Are you waggling a little... Oh, you've got a little devil's tail on as well. If you think... Lovely. If, if having sex with Beelzebub is your thing, Steve, then that is fine. Well, I expect that after quoting Satan last week at the, <laughs> yes, at the Conservative Party conference, Steve Baker will... That'll, that'll be his next revelation. Uh, he was he was there, wasn't he? In our live he podcast, was, yeah, 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 yeah. He was there in our live podcast, and I, I was going to say before what what happened at the end of our live podcast. I don't know well, what did happen. Well, we came we came out, and then oh, we came yes, out of God, our yeah. small room with our uh, no I, a small room. It certainly was not. Well, no, if, it was a it was a medium sized room. It was well, if the big room is Wembley Stadium, we were in what something like. Burnham Park or somewhere no, like that, or it'd be, it'd be something like um, 
I don't know, Villa Park. Yes, it was a, it was a reasonably... Yeah. It so was a we, reasonably had, we basically filled Villa Park. Yeah, so we came out of Villa Park, uh, but just as Wembley Stadium was, was emptying, and people were, people were actually queuing up for Brendan O'Neill's autograph. Can you believe that? Uh, they were queuing up for Brendan O'Neill's autograph, and also Steve Baker was 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 there hanging around like a bad smell, and people appeared to be. I think there were that was more media people yes, queuing I up to, was, to, yeah, to ask having, him, having a chat really, you know, it? whether he wanted to quote from what's he called in Angel Heart, Robert De Niro, oh Louis Cipher. <laughs> do you want a quote from anybody else who's the, who's the devil? <laughs> yes, I think I do. So listen, as I am now the devil. Yes, um, the sexy devil. Sexy devil. Uh, oh, I'm off to, it's Is that your Halloween costume? Often referred sexy to. Sexy Steve Baker. <laughs> yes. Um, so Johnson's Brexit plan, let's just get it straight, for, yes. for Northern Ireland, is basically that Northern Ireland would be in the UK customs area. Yes. But would be subject to EU single market rules. Correct. Yes, it wouldn't be. Yes, and it wouldn't that be, would yeah. include agriculture, food, and manufacturing. I believe. Uh, it certainly, it's certainly agriculture and food, isn't it? Um, but yes, that's the yes. I think that's the that's the bones Not, of the idea. The manufactured goods. But they would be a yes, right? But they would be able to have a uh, the, the, Nor- the Northern Irish Parliament, which I would. Remind people that it's not sitting now because of the DUP and hasn't been sitting because of the DUP um, for the majority of the last, um, well, it's over two years, isn't it? Oh, that was a little thump. Are you all right? I'll, I'm t- I'll be fine. Okay. He's crying now, <laughs> listener. Uh, a little tear. We're in a different room than we normally are, Stephen. I don't know where all the sharp edges are. No, well, I think we found one there. <laughs> yes. Um, um, the, so, yes. So, one of the main issues, well, not even one of the main issues, probably the main issue, of course, throughout this whole thing has been there can't be a hard border on the island of Ireland. Okay? Yes. So the government has said that although there will have to be some kind of checks on goods, they don't need to take place in a you know strict frontier, sort of strict line. A wild frontier, yes. Yeah, so, so is that not some kind of solution? Is that not the government actually trying to find a way around this problem? Well... If you have to have checks wherever they are, whether they are two metres at the border, two metres from the border, <laughs> 200 metres from the border, two miles from the border, 20 miles from the border, I'm afraid that is a border, isn't it? What about 23 That's, miles from the border? That That is still a border. What about if they were like flying pickets? They were like flying border checks? It's still a border. But do you know what? The police? That's much like the police. So you could get the border cops... Yeah. And they would pull over the, uh, the odd car. Hello, sir. Yeah, yeah. Got any, you know, unlicensed tatties in the boot? Yeah. No, on you go. It's, What's the problem? It is It is still a border. You know, I mean, if, well, during my holiday, uh, this summer holiday this year, I travelled from, um, I travelled from uh, Spain into uh, France um, and uh, I was on a, we were on a coach. Uh, there was a small uh, border where you know the coach was more or less waved through. Small delay there, and then uh, you know five ten minutes later we were pulled into a very large area and comprehensively comprehensive search of the coaches. Mm-hmm. All passports out. 
Let's look underneath the coach. Let's look in the boot and everything. I mean that and that Plastic is glove kind that of is if yes the the old snap of the familiar and welcome snap of the plastic <laughs> glove uh, came on. Um, and, well, do, uh, I tell you what, do, and that is you know that is a form of a, of a of a border. That's that's which, that's customs checks. Now you know we were unlucky, I suppose, because we were a coach full of tourists. Because they found all your drugs. Uh, and, they, and of course they did indeed <laughs> find, all, confiscate, find and confiscate all of our, all of our gear. But, um, but imagine that magnified uh, and imagine the, um, imagine the queues of people waiting to go through those kind of borders. Yeah. Right. Let, let, let's think about the, the, friendliest, the friendliest border in the world. Do you know what that is? Uh, a herbaceous border. Nope. Um, it, well, it, the border between the United States and Canada was was designed to be the friendliest border in the world. Okay? Right. Okay. Now, I was watching a TV show this week. You may have seen it. It's called The Americas, and it's that guy who travels around. Basically, his job is to travel around. Okay. Is it Simon Reeve or something like that? I can't remember Simon Calder. Can't remember his name, uh, but it's very good. Very well worth watching. Again, um, you can catch it on iPlayer. <laughs> it's good. A BBC podcast. This. Perhaps I think actually the Brexiteers would think the BBC was was um, was more bigger than us probably. The Bias Broadcasting <laughs> Corporation, <laughs> and he goes to the border between America and Canada. Okay, and it is a ditch basically, tiny little ditch. And he's in Canada, and he stood on the border, and he's chatting to a guy in America whose garden backs onto the. And he said, he said to him, if I if I want to weed the end of the garden, or I want to <laughs> weed the garden yes or i want to cut the lawn down the bottom i have to tell the border police first because there's cameras up and down it and they do come out and then the canadian cops come along and say what are you doing hey and this the chap says well we're just looking at the border and he says okay but like joking aside you cross the border you'll be in trouble and you will get arrested the u.s border force will be down here like a shot and you'll be in bother yeah friendly well i mean no one got shot yeah so let's just put some cameras up. It'd be fine. Drones, cameras, the internet. It's just not going to happen, is it? <laughs> it's just not going to happen. What if they had a border like the one that? Um, what was what was Trump going on about the other week? A Before wall, I think. You want you think well, he, he should build a massive wall? He wanted a wall, didn't he? He wanted a wall, but he wanted. He said a, a moot as well, didn't he? And he <laughs> meant he meant a moat. A moot. He said we should have a moot, and. He he was denying reports actually that he wanted a moot. He wanted a, a, a That's moat. That's what like a Scottish person might call a, a moot. moot. <laughs> uh, a meat moot. And uh, I wanted a moat, and um, he wanted a moat that was filled with alligators and snakes. <laughs> um, and he's just like a cartoon villain. Isn't and he, he denied that, and he on Twitter, and he said, "I never said that about this one in a moot." Um, <laughs> And the, and he said I wouldn't say anything as crazy as that. And then of course this week he said we we can't we shouldn't do it we shouldn't go and help the Kurds because the, where were they in when we landed at Normandy? I mean we shouldn't laugh at the, these are dangerous no. people. We shouldn't laugh at them. But I'm well, I can't wait to funny. do a trade deal with him. Who says? Oh, frankly, well we've all you know we've all driven on the wrong side of the road and you know. Knocked somebody over, but it was a tragedy. But, he's, you know, I mean, he's, less, you know. he's mad. He is truly, truly. He's well. He's truly insane. That's one word me for of what he is. Cyril Sneer from the Raccoons. Yes, and uh, the Raccoons was a really interesting cartoon. It played out in the eighties mainly because it was on at a stupid time. It was on at like 
ten past two in the afternoon. Was it? Yeah, and I think it was for the homeschool kids. Was it really? Or like the really sickly kids. I remember it being on at about six o'clock on a on a Saturday morning, which is when I would yes, watch it. It, it, it was also it also had an early slot on Saturday morning for a time. Yes, um, but it but it. It was on in the middle of the day before Kids TV actually started. You know, in the afternoon. So back in the old days, Kids TV would start at like twenty-five past three or something, and then finish at five half past five, wouldn't it? Yes. Whereas right. now they've got twenty-four hour channels. Mm. Uh, so they don't you know they're born. They don't know they're born. Hey, a moot of snakes and alligators. Would the alligators not eat the snakes? That's my question. Would they not just feast on the snakes? So is is the suggestion from Trump's? Uh, White House. There would have to be. Can all live happily side by side? Also, can all snakes? Not all snakes. Snakes breathe. All snakes are water bound. No, exactly. No, no. And and surely they, you know, I mean, they they would have trouble breathing underwater. Some snakes perhaps would, but maybe the snakes would live on the banks of the of the uh, moot of the moot, and the alligators obviously would be submerged uh, apart from just one eye. That's what they do, isn't it? And then when some terrible invading force came to of Kurds of, of Kurds came to came to you know ruin the great nation of America. The snakes might bite them, yes, and constrict them. Yes, and then the alligators would hop up and lumber up and finish them off. I mean, it's not a very. It's, I mean, as far as borders go, that is not a friendly one. What if they? What if somebody was trying to get over from Mexico and they simply hopped on the back of the alligators, like in Live and Let Die? Oh, that's it. Took a running jump. But what? And what does? Um, who doesn't like snakes? Uh, Indiana, Indiana Jones. Jones. And and doesn't he get rid of them with a big flaming torch? So actually, all you need to yes. get across the American border, and we're going to get arrested for this, no doubt, Steve. Yes. Helping people out with this is a big flaming torch. It used to be an open flame. Yeah. And when the alligators align, hop across. I'll just hop across and, and then... You're in. you're in. You're in. The American dream will be yours. It can be had. Within a year. Uh, let's talk about this, because this, in my opinion, is, is not, hasn't got the coverage it deserves. Uh, Brandon Lewis, <laughs> former chairman yes. of the Conservative Party and now, I think, security minister or some... Sort of, yes. Uh, was interviewed by Die Welt yes. uh, in a German newspaper... And he said this, if EU citizens until this point of time have not registered and have no adequate reason for it, then valid immigration rules will be applied when he was pushed on whether this meant that people, EU citizens, could be kicked out of the UK even if they are perfectly well within their rights to stay here and have valid residency claims. He added, theoretically, yes, we will apply the rules. Amazing. It's almost like they don't know what they're doing. It's almost like everything they say, all the assurances they give are just rubbish. But what this is, this is a this is a hardening of this policy, in my opinion, because previous to this, there'd been a lot of, oh, you've got until at least December 2020, you know, don't worry about it too much. All of a sudden, get it done, or you're out. Yes. It's is, is quite threatening, really, isn't it? Well, it is. It's extremely, extremely threatening and extremely dangerous. I, I was, I mean... I think they they did push him, didn't they? Because they sort of went, "Are you sure about this? This is different to what you've said before." Um, so yes, I, 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 I mean, I'm once again I'm at a loss with uh, Brandon Lewis. 
Well, it's, 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 I mean, it was quite shocking, really. And, and two million people have applied for the settled status. Yes. But two million people haven't that's, yet. Yes, that's, half, that's only half, isn't it? So, yes. Well, firstly, I think perhaps they don't want to stay in this country. And frankly, with this kind of language, why would they? But secondly, um, maybe they were just lulled into a sense of, oh, it's going to be fine and we'll wait till it's done and then we know exactly what's happening, etc., etc. And now they've got, what, three months? Yes, exactly. Less. Um, it's it's very frightening, you know, um, and it, well, I mean, it, it it just speaks to what kind of country the Conservatives want to turn this into. Uh, Let's talk about Labour. Yeah, do we have to? Well, no. Well, yes, probably. Yes. So, uh, okay. Well, firstly, cabinet has shadow, anything happened? Uh, well, shadow cabinet on Tuesday was interesting because I'm told that Corbyn is is getting more and more tempted. By, by the fruit of another. By <laughs> tempted by the fruit of another. I could have been a singer, me, Steve. He could have been a pub singer. <laughs> drunk. A drunk, just a drunk pub singer. Just a drunk at the back of the pub scene. Um, John MacDonald, who actually grows in my estimations as time passes. Yes. Um, and Keir Starmer both warned uh, Corbyn at Shadow Cabinet on Tuesday not to... Um, not to, well, I'll tell you what, John McDonald had a strange phrase for it. Did he? Well, supposedly he what said... He <laughs> well, it's that well-known phrase that you will all know and will use all the time, which is, what appears attractive in the grass could be a trap. Really? Yes, <laughs> supposedly so. <laughs> what appears attractive in the grass could be a trap. <laughs> it's a well-known well known. Is that what they say in Great Yarmouth? Well, perhaps, or perhaps it is a Mexican phrase because they've looked over at the moot yeah. and they haven't seen the snakes and crocodiles in the grass. Well, that's it's true. It's a trap. It's a trap. So, there you go, Mr Corbyn. It might appear attractive, that general election, in the grass, but it could be a trap. I just want to say how profoundly depressing it is that Jeremy Corbyn or a senior member of the Labour cabinet isn't on TV every day destroying these fools and on their pointless war gaming and their stupid sloganeering and making a really strong case for for Remain. And I appreciate you you, you know you you don't put up the same person every day, but if there was a strong leader of the oh, Labour Steve, party, you must have a meeting. Oh no. <laughs> Have I been called to a secret meeting of the leadership of the, the Labour Party? Um, if there was a strong leader of the Labour Party, I, I, I really think this thing would be over by now. I really do. I absolutely agree. I think there's absolutely no doubt about it. We've said it before. I mean, Corbyn's all over the place. Um, but what did you think of the speech? I'm going to read some of it. I can't really do a Jeremy Corbyn impression. Difficult to, it is difficult to pin down, yeah. Um, so I'll just do it in a mild Geordie accent. Okay, great. No, I probably shouldn't. Um, this is what he said at this at the speech, um, and I think this will will please a lot of our listeners. Although, it, well, he started by saying that holding a Queen's speech before an election was a cynical stunt, yes. um, and it was just using the Queen to deliver a pre-election party political broadcast. I think that's a fair point, actually. Yes. Um, but he then went on to do his own party political broadcast, which, again, is kind of the point of politics, uh, Mr Corbyn, so there you go. Um, this is what he said. The first task of a Labour government will be to finally get Brexit sorted. After three years of Tory failure, it's time to take the decision 
out of the hands of politicians and let the people have the final say. Mm, um, within three months of coming to power, a Labour government will secure a sensible deal based on the terms we have long advocated and discussed with the EU, trade unions and businesses, including a new customs union, a close single market relationship and guarantees of rights and protections. Within six months of being elected, we will put that deal to a public vote alongside Remain. Happy yeah. about that? Well, alternatively, you could come out right now and say that we will... Campaign for Remain. Ca campaign for Remain, <laughs> yes, <laughs> of course. Of course, and you could also say we will use the... Um, we will use the any time that we have left in Parliament before a second referendum to, to you know, before a general election rather, to campaign for a, a, a second referendum and to make a second referendum uh, a part of any deal that we put to the the, the, the British people. Or, all, all this or, or, is, or to say, you know, well, let's put let's put no deal to the British people. In another referendum, I think it's just. I mean, this is just populism with a red beret on. Well, it is. It is. Um, but you know, there, I mean, there are legitimate questions on whether you can have a second referendum before a, a general election. There but, are lots of legitimate questions, but I'm annoyed. But let's have the, let's have the effort to, to see if it's possible. I'm annoyed by this thing. It, it sounds good, doesn't it? Labour will let the people decide. The people do decide yes. in general elections. That's right. It, it's a bit like me saying, Steve, thanks for employing me yes. as, as the co-host of this podcast, paying me money to do it, but I'd rather someone else did it and I still got the cash. It is taking what you are, you know, your job and not doing it. And that's why we shouldn't have had a referendum in the first place and we should frankly never have one ever again. I agree with, I agree with all of that. I agree with all of Good. that. <laughs> Good. That's the first time you've ever said that to me. Can I say how worried I am about Boris Johnson as well at this point? Why? Have um, you just got because your phone? We'll try and, your phone. That was him. Was that Boris? Well, it, what, is he? What is he stuck? Is he stuck in a bath? Or it, it wasn't Boris, but it was a tweet from from Boris, and it was yet another. Oh. It was yet another tweet, which contains the phrase "Get Brexit done." And <laughs> I've been making a tally of these, and in the last month, he's tweeted on. It's now thirty-one occasions. Some <laughs> variant of get Brexit done, and a cough button work that time. And I think, I th well, it gave you did cough. So <laughs> if that's what you were pressing, it did make you cough. And it does seem that he and the rest of his cabinet have been Dominic Cummings has seemed to have replaced them with a, a bunch of life-size Teddy Ruxpin dolls who just march around saying get Brexit done. Um, I uh, I don't know if you've seen the Matt Hancock interview with Sophie Ridge. That uh, that occurred uh, a couple of weeks ago. Hat Mancock. Uh, Hat Mancock. I'm going to give you a little taste of it now. I'm well, not going to quiz you. I'm either. not going to play it. Go on then. Uh, he says uh, we've got to get Brexit done. I absolutely think no deal may well happen. Sophie Ridge says, "Have you changed your mind then, Matt Hancock?" Yes, I have. And I said a few weeks ago, I absolutely think we have to get Brexit done. That's the other argument I was making when I was running. We've got to get Brexit done so then we can go on with other things. The public is deeply frustrated with all these lies about Brexit, all the noise in politics. Let's get Brexit done. Uh, Sophie Ridge then says, you mentioned the Ben Act. Do you think there are loopholes on that? Or do you think the Prime Minister will have to obey? Uh, to which Matt Hancock replies, well, clearly the, the Prime Minister will try to obey the law, but we've also got to get Brexit done. 
And I'm just worried that they're all going to be incapable of... I mean, look, what happens when one of Boris Johnson's unspecified number of children phones him up and says, <laughs> I've got some history homework, Dad. You know, and you, what was Churchill's biggest achievement? And then the little lass or lad goes into school on Monday and says, my daddy says that Churchill's biggest achievement was to get Brexit done. And also, what sort of example is he setting to Dylan the dog? Oh, Dylan. Dylan's when instead of sit or fetch, all Dylan the dog is hearing is, the only command he's hearing is get Brexit done. Get Brexit done. And what is going to happen in his technology lessons when his attractive young technology teacher, <laughs> whoever he's using for technology lessons at the moment, it says, me or you. <laughs> says what, tell, me, tell me what you want, Boris, and he says, get Brexit done. You know, it's no fun for it. It's a little bit like it's a little bit like strong and stable, isn't it? Yeah, very much so. Yeah, right. We g- the news is nearly done, but I've prepared this small quiz. What is the problem? I want you to t- is it? <laughs> Do you know what? I think we're going to scrap that. Oh, <laughs> you've it. talked, for t- you've wanged on for too long. <laughs> I just want to get Brexit done. Get podcast done. Ask me those questions, and I'll tell you the answers. What quickly. is the problem? Um, well. Uh, it's hot in here. It's hot in here. <laughs> really isn't it? hot. Yeah. Next, yeah. Uh, is it? Is it time to sort this out? <laughs> we no, I've, got, I've got a meeting in nine minutes. In nine minutes. So no. Uh, what if a deal is not reacted, realised, <laughs> probably reached, reached? You're uh, ten, you're, you should be a doctor. This. Well, no, it's like. because I do short answer my long okay. answer. I don't know. Next, will the UK? Leave EU on Oct 31. Uh, no. Okay, right. well, that was brilliant. <laughs> I have actually prepared long, thoughtful answers. <laughs> Perhaps we'll just do it another week. Now then, true or false? You ready? Yes. Just quickly. Cause two false. Of the, two of my favourite characters this week um, were Leo Varadkar. Yeah, good. And uh, David Sassoli. Sassoli. David Sassoli. Good. Which is a great name, isn't it? It is. So he was in you, the Sassoli crew, wasn't he? Wait, is that that um, rap crew? They did 21, 21 seconds. <laughs> yes, that's right, he was. He was the. Um, it, they had about 50 members, didn't they? Yeah, Mega Man, he was in them. Lisa Mafia, David Sassoli. <laughs> Mega Man. Asher D. Mega Man was on my SNES. Was he, Mega Man? Yeah, yeah. I still play it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, true or false? False. Leo Varadkar... He's a doctor. Well, he's probably got a doctorate, hasn't he? Or, or he's yes. I'm saying yes. He is. True or false? Yes, he is. True. True. He spent several years as a non-consultant hospital doctor. Oh, he's an actual doctor. He's a real doctor who wow. can sort out your aches and pains. And uh, he uh, he actually qualified to be a GP as late as 2010. That's good. So he's actually had like proper job that was worth doing. Leo Varadkar trained to be a doctor in Huddersfield. True. Huddersfield Medical College. True. <laughs> no, there's no such college. False. <laughs> we only have witch doctors in Huddersfield. Where do you think he trained then? Uh, I don't know. Mumbai. Did he? He did well. <laughs> He did uh, a secondment there, yes. Is this, not a, is this not a, a sort of a feel-good drama with OAPs, the 
possibly over Edgar's last Mumbai hospital or something like oh, that. Oh, perhaps that would work. It, it could, could be, like be with Dame Maggie Smith yeah. as Leo Varadkar. Yeah, I would. I would watch that. I like Leo Varadkar very much. Yeah, me too. He's, he's broken down lots of barriers because he's the first. You know, he's an Irish politician of Indian heritage. Um, he's also only the fourth world leader who is openly gay. All power to Leo Varadkar. On to Sassoli. Yes. What do you know about David Sassoli? Well, I know he was on the Sassoli crew. I like that he, he sort of breezed in, breezed back out. Yeah. <laughs> it was good. So he's the new president of the European Parliament, isn't he? He is. Um, he was elected in July. Yes. Um, and he's an Italian politician. Uh, is he from A, Florence, B, Milan, or C, Vienna? Vienna? Which is not even... I know, I know. All right, then I'll, I'm, I'm going to buy it. I'll go see. Uh, no, it's Florence. Oh, OK. True or false? I thought he was born in Vienna then. I thought you'd done something clever, but it's just, you've just, it's no, a, bo- you just a boring you answer. I gave you the eyes, didn't I? Yeah, you did give me the eyes, yeah. That's goalsy. I did you there, I did you. Um, so, Hollywood... Wait a minute, got to get this right. Hollywood film... Anchorman, starring Will Ferrell. Seen it? Yes, I have. It's very as, funny. As Roy Burgundy, and I think there's an Anchorman Ron Burgundy. too. Ron, is it? Yeah. <laughs> right. You're own writing again. Roy, <laughs> yes. Good old Roy Burgundy. <laughs> I've not seen these films. Why well, not? They're fantastic. Isn't there, isn't there a comedy sketch that involves an erection? Well, I would have thought so, yeah. <laughs> right, that's it's, probably why I've missed it. It's very, very amusing. Um, was based, that, that character, Roy Burgundy. Yeah. Was based on David Sassoli. False. Why? Why do you say that's false? Because it's stupid. <laughs> he's, a, he's a. He's a. He's a. It's clearly based on. It's clearly based on American anchormen. People like I don't know Howard Cosell and people like that, rather than on, uh, rather than on some obscure Italian politician. <laughs> if you were attempting to say that he once was a TV anchor, then you know. Well. Well, I'm afraid you're wrong. <laughs> it was completely based <laughs> on the life of David Sasselin. Hollywood, the Hollywood film and its sequel it was based on him. Anchorman was it? Great. Okay. Was based on David Sasselin, um, who was the anchorman um, of the TV news for TGI One. Yes. Uh, where he became one of the most notable and popular journalists in the country. Great. Uh, and so, so Will Ferrell and Adam yep. Mackay, who wrote that, yep. were they were massive fans of local Italian TV. And if you check it, if you check it out, if you actually watch Sassoli closely, he does. He's very Burgundy. Great. Okay. So, so there's do, no truth whatsoever. Do in that. just check that out. Well, but I, listen, I've done my research. Okay? Yeah. I, I, I've researched this thoroughly, and that is true. Brexiteer of the week next. <laughs> Brexiteer of the Week. Welcome back, Steve. It is time for Brexiteer of the Week. It is time for Brexiteer of the Week, and I've got three for you. Let's start with um, let's start with Paul Dacre. Only three. Only three. There's only been three people in this in this country or beyond that's been worthy of Brexiteer of the Week. Well, this I've week. whittled them down for reasons of for reasons of space and inanity. I'm sick of them all. Uh, Paul Dacre, <laughs> former Daily Mail editor, as you um, know, your old boss. Mr Dacre. Mr Dacre to you. I'm wearing uh, brown shoes. He didn't like brown shoes, did he? They were banned. No brown in town. No brown shoes. That is what, correct. What would he do if he saw somebody 
in the Daily Mail wearing brown shoes. Well, I, I, I never actually, um, no one ever got that close to him if they had brown shoes. And I remember sending a, um, well, actually, we had to send, we had a shifter came in and he'd been shifting at the Guardian and there's a slightly different dress code at the Guardian. Oh, yeah. Uh, than there is at the Daily Mail. Exactly. Uh, and he had some Converse on. Oof. And as he walked through the door, myself and someone else, um, uh, another one of the news editors, basically dashed, dragged him out of the office and told him that he either went home for the day or went to M&S and bought a suit and some shoes. And um, and he did. Tremendous. Yeah, yeah, he did. He Very did. good. So he was saved from himself. We, we saved him, yeah. Anyway, Paul Dacre has, has broken his silence. Have you seen this? Uh, quite, yes, I'm aware of this, yeah. Quite welcome silence, I thought, but he's broken it in The Spectator. Uh, he has attacked the what he called the Eurosceptic-hating BBC... And he's defended his infamous uh, front page enemies of the people. Do you think? I wonder what he's doing to fill his days. I think he just goes into the garden and hates certain flowers. You daffodils! <laughs> look at you! <laughs> you shrubs! You're a disgrace. The man in the man in the on the street hates you, lupins. It does. It does. It, I, I do. I do worry about him though, because he will. You know, he had this empire. And he worked ferociously long days, and now nothing. Nothing. Well, he probably, as I say, he probably hates, you know, spoons and things in his house, DVD players. We didn't need a DVD player in the Blitz. What's all this Spotify? <laughs> he definitely Margaret has not Thatcher got never used Spotify, he'd say, and all of this. Uh, it's part of the Snowflake generation, isn't it? Anyway. Uh, he said of the enemies of the people front page, which of course was bashing judges before it became fashionable to bash judges, wasn't it? He said uh, of that front uh, that headline, he said, if that front page helped raise consciousness about this vital debate, I can face my maker with equanimity. Do you okay. think it raised? <laughs> do you think it raised consciousness about this this debate, vital debate? I tell well, you what it did raise. It raised over a thousand complaints to Ipso, uh, uh, quite rightly, and it also raised the chances of Paul Dacre being removed as editor. Well, yes, I think that was which, his. Um, which that he was. was the nail. Yeah, it was the first, probably the yeah. It yeah. really was. Uh, it was. I mean, he, he, I mean, he lasted another eighteen months, but I think he was probably finished after that. That was a courtesy, I think. Uh, yes, indeed. Uh, he also said that the. Uh, Post-referendum BBC, and I'm quoting here, it daily pumps out hysterical anti-Brexit propaganda. Its coverage, uh, its coverage is a disgrace. And that's absolute nonsense, isn't it? But I wonder whether anybody listening can think of another <laughs> British media giant which daily pumped out disgraceful, biased propaganda about Brexit. Just on a serious note, because the current editor of the Daily Mail, Jody Gregg, is also one of my former editors. Yes. I, and I do, I do, I take the Daily Mail often because I don't read newspapers because of my politics. I read them because I'm an obsessive. Did you? Is it vastly improved now, in your opinion? Uh, well, there's certainly a bit more light and shade to it, isn't there? Yeah, it's not as shouty, is it? It's not as shouty, and it's and it's. Um, I mean, okay, it's still a pro-Brexit it's newspaper, still the Daily isn't Mail, it? Yeah, it's still, yeah. it's still recognisably the Daily Mail. However. Um, you know, I can't remember who wrote the, the. There was a piece in it earlier on this week, which was very critical of Boris Johnson's handling of Brexit, suggesting that he'd backed himself into yeah, a corner. Dominic yeah. Cummings 
uh, didn't come out of it very well. And that kind of thing would have been unthinkable, I think. I mean, Peter O'Born might have been allowed to write huge, it on another yeah. on another page, but it certainly wouldn't have appeared on the on the main spread of a, a, a thing uh, about Boris Johnson um, arguing with with um, Ang- uh, Angela Merkel and, and Leo Varadkar, and, and of course, you know that they would have been demonised, wouldn't they? That, right. that was the that was the point of the the, the Paul Dacre Daily Mail, which was to demonise people with a, a different uh, opinion to you. Um, Amanda Hunter, right. Uh, a name you might not be familiar with. She is the Brexit Party's candidate in North East Bedfordshire. Uh, quite a remarkable uh, woman. She uh, She's only just come back to the UK because she thinks there's going to be a, a general election and probably is quite soon. Um, and she's come back to the UK and is standing for the Brexit Party, having spent the last 20 years in Italy. Uh, she's a teacher. She's also lived in Spain and Greece. Last week... Uh, she was answering media queries uh, from uh, near her home near Trieste, mm-hmm. uh, and um, people asked her. You know, they said, "Well, after a No Deal Brexit, the kind of No Deal Brexit that you want, will people actually be able to go and work as a teacher in Trieste?" And she said, "They would. It's good news." She said, "As oh, far as I know, there's an agreement oh. between the Italy and the UK." This is breaking. Breaking news. Yeah, it is. Oh my goodness! And she also said uh, she was sure the UK would swiftly negotiate a range of better deals with the EU than we've got now straight away after quitting the EU. Oh well, I mean that so, is a massive weight off my mind. Steve. I mean, it's almost. Should we just stop doing this podcast and indeed the New European newspaper? Or maybe we. Should... She seems to have the inside track from her home near Trieste. She <laughs> does. Yeah. All power to her elbow. All power to her. Yes, indeed. So, uh, we'll, Amanda Hunter, we will follow your career with uh, with interest. <laughs> uh, but the Brexiteer of the week is Nigel Farage. Oh, an unfamiliar name. And you might remember that the last time he was Brexiteer of the week, it was when he had bravely announced that he was boycotting the BBC after being treated like a war criminal, he said, yes, on the Andrew Marr show during the European elections campaign. And that was on September the 13th he announced his embargo on the BBC. So I, I just I took a look and I thought, what's been happening since? Uh, September the 25th, he was on uh, BBC Breakfast, which, as the name suggests, is made by the BBC. And later that day, he was on Radio 4's Today's program, Today programme, which is made by the BBC. Yes. September the 26th, the next day, he appeared on the BBC's South East Today, which is made by the BBC. Is it? Yes. Uh, he was talking about his intention to stand as an, M for, uh, an MP for, for the eighth time, I believe. I believe um, that is right, yes. Even if he's still serving as an MEP. Right. Uh, and then on October the 4th, so a gap of a week, you know, give him that, He was on um, BBC's uh, Radio 4's Any Questions, which again is made by the BBC. It is, yeah. uh, yeah. Where he was unceremoniously schooled by the author Jeanette Winterson uh, in uh, in, uh, quite um, uncompromising fashion. And so as protests go, it's not so much they shall not pass, it is they shall not take away my BBC pass. (laughs) Uh, So Nigel Farage, with his strictly enforced ban on appearing on the BBC, is the Brexiteer of the week. It was a, I can't remember, what, I think it's called Claire in the Community. The, um, yes, he wasn't on that, was he? Well, he wasn't, but there I'm was... I'm surprised he's not popped up on the arches. <laughs> there was reference to, <laughs> they went to see any questions. I'm not a big fan of this show, but I was ironing and it was on. Claire in the Community? Yeah. I, it's, it's, 
it's the one with Rebecca Front, isn't it? I believe so. It's quite. It's intermittently amusing. I would say. I quite like this podcast. Yes. Well, it's you know, and um, they they went to a recording of any questions. Oh yes, good. And uh, and Nigel Farage was on it. Oh really? But they saw him wandering around in his pajamas beforehand. And they asked why, and they said, oh, we've just made him up a bed now at the BBC, and he <laughs> sleeps over, it's just easier. That's quite a good joke, isn't yes, it? Yes, it is quite good, yes. Very good. What should the listener do right now? Uh, go to your podcatcher of choice, leave us a lovely review. What's your podcatcher of choice? My podcatcher of choice is, uh, well, I use the iTunes podcast app. A good, many, a good one. As many people do. I like to listen on Spotify these days. Yes, my lovely partner has been listening on Spotify. Um, so um, so please do that. Uh, hopefully our sound quality should be slightly improved this week. We're trying our very, very best. We are. Um, so please let us know about that. Uh, you can go to Facebook and you can join the New European Readers Group where you can share your news and views about Brexit and the New European. You can simply like the New European on Facebook. You can go to Twitter uh, and you can uh, follow the New European at the New European. You can follow me on Twitter at Sanglesey, S-A-N-G-L-E-S-E-Y. Or you can follow me at Porritt, P-O-R-R-I-T-T. That was the New European Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. If you haven't already, the print product is out there on the streets. Go and buy it now. It is an absolute stonker, as it is every week. Politics, Brexit, lots of arts and culture as well. We will be back next week. Until then, Mr Campbell, bagpipes please. Here you go. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Summer's just around the corner, so give your body the care it deserves with Osea's best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil. Created by infusing Andaria seaweed in barrels of botanical oils, it leaves skin silky soft and glowing. Plus, it's clinically proven to improve elasticity and deeply moisturize without feeling greasy. It's safe, clean, vegan skincare. 
Get 10% off your first order at oseamalibu.com with code GLOW, plus free shipping on orders over $60.